0: From Sarasota Memorial, this is HealthCast. A healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. Hi everyone, welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Godermeyer. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss technological advancements and ongoing clinical research here at Sarasota Memorial for patients in need of spine surgery. Our guest today is Dr. Ashvin Patel, an orthopedic spine surgeon right here in Sarasota. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Good morning, Alison.
0: So Dr. Patel, for a long time now, spinal fusion has been considered the gold standard, if you will, for treatment of low back and leg pain and neck pain with arm pain. How exactly does that work?
1: So if someone has a uh, arthritic condition and they have a pinched nerve, um, you would, uh, and if they have signs of instability, you would add a fusion to that. So you would free up the nerve, and you would stabilize the area that you freed up so that the spine does not become unstable. And um, that is very good, and it works. The problem is that it affects other areas below and above the area you just fuse. So wh- while it's a very good operation, and it has been a very good operation, we have concerns of, about the long-term results and what the consequences are of doing that operation which is fusing the two vertebrates together.
0: What can some of those long-term consequences be?
1: Well, one of them is the next level has to take over some of the motion that you've lost because you just fused that first level so that the next level is working harder than it was previously. And as a result, it can become arthritic faster. So that's one consequence. Uh, The second, and that results in back pain or in neck pain if you're dealing with the neck. And of course, you can get a pinched nerve when you develop arthritis at that next level because bone spurs form when you have an arthritic condition and those bone spurs can push on a nerve and as a result, you can get arm or leg pain.
0: Now, some surgeons like yourself are using total disc replacement and non-fusion techniques though. So how do non-fusion techniques and disc replacement differ from spinal fusion?
1: So basically what you're doing, as the name implies, you're replacing the disc and not fusing the disc So you will allow motion. So that's the fundamental difference, is that one, you still maintain motion. And uh, the second difference is that uh, it hopefully, uh, because of that, it hopefully keeps you from getting adjacent level disease on the next level or level below. Uh, Now, not everyone can have a disc replacement. It is for specific problems. So fusion will always be around to stay. Let's say you fracture your neck and you have an unstable neck you cannot replace the disc or replace the bone. You have to fuse it because it's unstable. So, for, Or if you have an infection, you cannot replace the disc. If you have an infected disc, you have to either let antibiotics take care of it or you have to do a fusion. So while fusion is always going to be around, these newer procedures, which actually are not that new, we've been doing them for a while now, it's just that now they're becoming more mainstream and insurance companies are now accepting them as mainstream. And as a result, more and more are being done. The patients are requesting it. The doctors are more comfortable doing it. So uh, I would say that um, we're always going to have fusion, but I think we're gonna be doing more and more displacements, particularly in the neck.
0: You talked about some of the risks, potentially, of the fusion. What are some of the risks, potentially, of the replacement?
1: Great question. So let's talk about, it depends on where we are. So for the lumbar spine, probably one of the biggest risks is that you might have missed the fact that the problem is in the back of the spine, meaning the joint. So this replacement, as the name implies, only replaces the disc, which is in the front of the spine. So one of the problems is that you have to be 100% certain that the problem is in the disc, not in the joint. And if somebody has a badly pinched nerve in the low back, replacing the disc will not take care of the problem. You have to unpinch the nerve, which may necessitate a concomitant or a fusion with the unpinching of the nerve, which we call decompression. So that's one risk is that you may not be able to address everything with just a disc replacement because as the name implies, you're just replacing this. Second risk is particularly in the low back is that once you go in the low back and replace the disc, which is done through an anterior approach at the present time, we're hoping to be able to do it from the side, which will be a little safer to go back. But the problem with going from the front is that the big blood vessels that live in the front of the spine in the, in the low back and those vessels, once you do the surgery there, become tacked down or scarred down to the spine. So it's very hard to go back. It's very dangerous to go back. And we generally would have only few centers in the country or the world going back to do those types of surgeries. So if someone has something wrong, let's say after the surgery, such as an infection, or for some reason the disc replacement fails and pops out of the disc space, then it's very challenging to go back and fix that from the front. So you'd have to do everything from the back. And if for some reason you had to go to the front, it's a challenge because of exposure related problems related to the blood vessels. In the neck, um, I would say that uh, the risks are basically the same as any fusion. Uh, It's generally easier to go back in the neck. The blood vessels are not directly on top of the front of the neck, so it's safer to get back there. So I don't really see a huge um, potential risk other than fact that maybe you missed the, uh, the diagnosis and it wasn't just a disc problem. Now, in the neck, you're able to free up the nerve from the front, so you can address the pinched nerve and the disc uh, at the same time so that there are more patients that are going to need a disc replacement in the neck than the low back. For the low back, it's mostly for back pain or someone who has a recurrent herniation uh, and doesn't have really any arthritis in the back of the spine. For the neck, it's much more forgiving operation, and you can use it for many different reasons.
0: So here at Sarasota Memorial, we're currently testing two non-fusion technologies. What is the goal of the testing you're doing?
1: So uh, this one study is the disc replacement study in the cervical spine. And there are disc replacements uh, that have been available for a long time now. And this particular study is testing a two level disc replacement of the ProDisc, which is a disc replacement that has the longest track record. This is the second version of this. It's the ProDisc uh, revised version of it, and it has a smaller keel, and it has some changes. It's more anatomic than the previous one. It has two different options. Uh, So we're testing to see if the results of that are good so that if the results are good, the FDA will approve them. Now, keep in mind, this has been done in Europe extensively, so it's not as if we're trying an operation that hasn't been done. This uh, surgery has been around for quite a, uh, a few years. And this disc replacement in particular, this ProDisc-C uh, 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 has been tested in Europe and used extensively in Europe. But in the US, as you know, the FDA, has to, you have to do a clinical trial. So this is a clinical trial to get approval in the US. The second study is called a TOP study, which is a posterior facet replacement. So that is done for people who have what we call degenerative spondyloliscesis. That's when they have slippage of the vertebrae, not the disc, the vertebrae. So this is not a disc problem. This is a problem in the back of the spine. And those patients typically would have a laminectomy, which just means a removal of the lamina, which means the bone that covers the back of the spine uh, or the back of the uh, spinal canal. And that is often needed to free up a nerve that's pinched because of spinal stenosis. So when somebody has a slipped vertebrae, the degenerative spondyloses and spinal stenosis, the narrowing of the uh, spinal canal, they get this, these symptoms called claudication where they get heaviness in the buttock, thigh, or calf, or they get shooting pain down the leg when they try to walk. So we're doing this surgery to try to uh, replace um, uh, the fusion aspect of it. We still have to do decompression to free up the nerve, but instead of replacing it, we're putting this implant in that acts as the facet joint really and allows motion. So instead of fusing the vertebrae, which is what we would typically have been doing for spinal stenosis and degenerative spondyloses, we're freeing the nerve up with a laminectomy like we would before, but now we're replacing it with this uh, TOPS procedure. So that is a new procedure in the US and it's not FDA approved, but it's been used extensively in Europe and Asia in Israel, uh, that's where the implant was, uh, uh, the company's based in Israel. So we're testing it out and uh, expecting it to get FDA approval, and then it'll be available to the rest of the uh, uh, population in the US.
0: So the first one you mentioned, the Sentinel Sentinel Spines Smart Study. Not everyone is eligible, of course, for that clinical research, so who is eligible?
1: Right. So patients who have two-level disease, this is a two-level study. So they're testing this in people who need two-level surgery, meaning they have problems with two different levels, two different nerves. So they have to have problems at two different levels. They have to be uh, below a certain age. Um, I believe it's... uh, uh, 78, I think, I'm not sure, 100% certain of that. Uh, and they have to have uh, neck pain and arm pain. And there are other criteria. They cannot have inflammatory diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, they cannot have uh, had previous surgery there. They cannot have had surgery at their adjacent level. Uh, so there's a few more uh, uh, um, restrictions. Uh, but it is for patients who have neck and arm pain who have two-level disease. Uh and uh, then if they qualify, they have to take a screening test and uh, if they match the criteria for the study, uh, the indications for the study and the screening test, um, uh, uh, they pass the screening test, quote unquote, uh, then they can participate in the study.
0: And then the second one you mentioned, the Premier spines tops system, uh, who's eligible
1: for that? Right, so those are patients with spinal stenosis and spondylolisthesis. It cannot be just spinal stenosis. So they have to have slippage of the vertebrae, the so-called spondylolisthesis, which is different from a slipped disc. And they cannot have a disc problem because you're not replacing this. The first study, you're replacing the disc. Here, you're replacing the joint. So people who are uh, eligible for that study are, are uh, uh, patients who have leg and back pain who have spinal stenosis and spondylolisthesis. And again, there's an upper end of age limit uh, and they cannot have had previous surgery uh, at another level. They could have had a laminectomy at the first level, but not at another level. Um, So that's essentially the indication for that.
0: Now with all of these uh, non-fusion techniques and even with the fusion techniques, for patients who have had the neck pain, the back pain, how can this positively impact their life?
1: Well, first, Allison, it's important to know that not everybody who has these problems needs surgery. So, many patients uh, that will uh, have these problems actually get better with some therapy, medications, and injections. Um, But if they are to the point where they cannot, uh, let's say, walk, uh, let's say, do activities of daily living or their job, especially when they're very active, then these surgeries will make a huge difference. In fact, it's almost life-changing. You know, they, they can walk. I mean, not being able to walk is a huge limitation. It affects your health in many ways. You start gaining weight when you become sedentary. So I think that the, the impact is tremendous because they're able to stay active. And when you're active, your life expectancy increases because you're healthier. So uh, uh, that's sort of the general answer. But specifically, the arm pain should go away and generally, the neck pain, if it's the, the disc replacement study, should get better. It doesn't always result completely if they have a lot of neck pain. Um, and uh, in general, we try to avoid doing disc replacement when people have a lot of neck pain. We try to do f- uh, fusions in those because it addresses the back of the neck as well, the so-called facet. Now, as far as, far as the low backs uh, uh, that again, they would be able to walk without the leg pain and there hopefully their back pain will be considerably better. But once again, it's harder to cure back pain than it is to cure what we call radicular or extremity pain, pain in the arm or leg. It's much easier to cure that when we unpinch a nerve.
0: And we just spoke about the two clinical research trials actively ongoing. How can patients get more information if they're interested in possibly participating?
1: So they can call my office and ask for my research coordinator and they will be fast-tracked into getting an appointment, and I will evaluate them, I'll explain the study to them, and then I basically will go through a checklist of whether they qualify, because it is very uh, strict criteria. So I actually have to pull a sheet out because there's about 15 things that they have to uh, be, um, the checklist has to be uh, correct for before they can qualify. Then they take the screening test, and if they have a high enough score, then they qualify for the study.
0: Now you've noted that the clinical research does show promise where it's been used elsewhere and, and it's showing promise here as well. How, how important is it that you're bringing these procedures here to our community and have the opportunity to have clinical research like this here in Sar- at Sarasota Memorial?
1: Well, I think it's great because first it allows me to keep up with the changes. Uh, when I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, you know, I decided on orthopedics because I like sports and uh, Uh, taking care of uh, athletes and so on. But when I realized that spine is an area that at at the time I was going through my training, they didn't really know what they were doing at the time. So I said, this is an area that in my lifetime is going to see a tremendous change. So I'm experiencing that and as uh, sort of my, uh, uh, my goal had been to go in a field where I would see a lot of changes during my lifetime, and that's exactly what has happened. So for me, it's exciting because I'm able to try new things for my patients, because I'm always trying to improve the operation I'm doing. Uh, and these give me an opportunity to offer patients new procedures that otherwise wouldn't be available. Now, the disc replacement has been available. Uh, there are several disc replacements that are now FDA approved for one and two levels, but the TOPS, study, uh, TOPS implant is not available uh, except for this study. So uh, I think uh, in general, I like doing research, and our hospital has been very good about supporting it and... Uh, and uh, marketing it and also just encouraging it. So we have a pretty strong research department at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. And I think that's a a credit to the hospital as well as our staff. And uh, it gives me an opportunity to meet like-minded surgeons and also just, uh, you know, keeps me interested in what I do.
0: And it's important to note, you did mention before, not every patient that is experiencing this pain needs surgery, so many patients live with the pain because they think, I don't wanna go to the doctor and hear that I need to have surgery. What's your advice to patients who are experiencing that pain but haven't gone to see the doctor yet?
1: So, um, I would tell those patients who have been reluctant to see their doctor that um, they would really benefit from seeing their family doctor to know what's available and then to see a specialist uh, because many patients that we see in the office uh, are not surgical candidates. In fact, if I were to see on a typical day about 35 or so patients, only about three would need surgery on average. So that means all the others are getting treated with non-surgical means. Now hopefully we can get them better with non-surgical means. Some cases we cannot, but those non-surgical treatments include physical therapy, activity modification, uh, lifestyle changes such as cessation of smoking and weight loss as well as uh, injections such as epidural injections and referrals to other specialists who treat spinal disorders. So there's a lot of different things that are out there that we can try. And also I would encourage these patients to seek, seek a specialist because there are many things that are available in the future that are not currently available that we are aware of but are not actually on the market. So I would say to patients, Just wait and there'll be something better coming along. So in the past, about 10, 15 years ago, the disc replacements were uh, relatively new. And I would be telling young patients, look, don't have a fusion yet because there's new sort of technology such as a disc replacement that's going to be available. And I think the same thing will happen in the future with other treatments for the spine.
0: So it's important to find out about that information now from the specialists now.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Dr. Patel, thank you so much for sitting with us and for all this information today.
1: My pleasure, Allison. thank you for having me.
0: And thank you to everyone who has joined us for this episode of HealthCast. For more information about either of the clinical research trials we've discussed, you can contact the clinical research coordinator, Justin, at 941-365-0655, extension 344. And as always, we encourage everyone in our community to visit smh.com to get the latest information from Sarasota Memorial. Have a great day.